Wow, thank you. Um, yes, so I am Sarah Morrow. I um, am pastor of life groups here at Salem Alliance. I've been on staff since 2010. Um, I started off as ministry assistant to Barbara Fletcher, who was our pastor of adult ministries. Um, and then I also supported our women's ministry pastor at the time. And my role has ebbed and flowed through the years. I was coordinator of life groups. I was pastor of Bible studies, and now I'm uh, pastor of life groups. So it's an honor. My two main roles other than a coaching life group leaders are I lead our Bible study curriculum team um, that writes the curriculum that goes along with our sermon series. And I also lead our prayer path team. So I don't know if you guys have been able to engage with our Advent prayer path, our Way of the Cross prayer path, or our Pentecost prayer path, but I would highly encourage you to um, come to one of those meditative um, experiences that we have three times a year. Um, it's a joy to be able to pray over those and put those on for you. So just a, a shameless plug, <laughs> come to those. Um, I was like, oh, a buffalo, like I wanna share mine. Mine is, and some of you might know this, but I hate chocolate. I, I like, I can't stand the smell. Like, I try it every year because I really want to like it. I was really hoping that when I got pregnant, maybe my taste buds would change. No, I couldn't eat anything when I was pregnant, so that didn't work. Um, but anyways, that's my buffalo. I talk about my highs and lows, but my low involves, like, projectile vomiting and ants in a hotel room and being diverted to Seattle because of the snow. So I won't go into all those details. But um, I'm glad I'm here with you tonight. I'm glad everyone in my family is healthy. <laughs> Um, on the personal side of things, I have been married to my husband, Dan, for almost six years, and we have a one-and-a-half-year-old daughter named Dot. That was just us. We actually were just in Disneyland, so that was us there. And then um, that's our, I had a, it's Dot when she was a baby, but that's our 75-pound husky named Enzo. And he's very much a part of our family. We always call him brother. And so people are like, I was like, oh, yeah, and Dot's brother. And they're like, you have an announcement? I'm like, no, 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 no. Her brother is and her dog. <laughs> um, so that's my little family. Um, and then, yeah, when Lydia asked me to speak tonight and she said the theme for this year is God's heart for women and just be prayerful about where God is leading you for your talk, I, I sat down and I was thinking through, you know, what, okay, God, what do you, what do you have for these women? And um, the thing that came back to me over and over was surprising because it's something that I have struggled with um, my entire life. And that is, as she said, like, the scripture reveals that God's heart for women is that we are not his second choice. We are not second best. We are not his B team. And I do want to caveat with, I know B team's a sports thing, right? Okay, so I don't do the sports. Um, <laughs> So, like, just the A team, B team is kind of, you know, just the best and then the not best. That's all I mean. So if there's other meanings to B team, I, I'm not implying any of that sports-wise. Just wanted to caveat that there. Um, I'll explain a little bit about what I mean when I say that I've struggled with this my whole life. So I'll give you a little bit about my backstory, especially for those of you who don't know me, which is awesome. I don't know a lot of you, but... Um, I'm here almost every Sunday in the Welcome Center, so please come say hi. Like Greta said, like, there's a lot of you and only one of me, and I want to meet you, so <laughs> um, don't be shy. 
Um, but for me, I grew up in a very loving Christian home. Um, I was born here in Salem, but then we moved um, to Camp Tadmore, which is about an hour south when I was eight, and I grew up in that environment. So my parents raised me to love the Lord and love his word, and I knew that he loved me, um, and it was just a really unique experience to live in a place that cultivated um, experiences for other people to come and and um, experience God. And so my life was oriented around service and opportunities to um, be with the Lord and serve the Lord in that way. I also had um, amazing opportunities to go on missions trips and do service projects around the um, town I was living in. So my life, I knew from a very young age that I wanted my life to be centered around Christ and centered around serving him. Um, and I also grew up in a very conservative um, denomination, and they had very strong opinions about what women could do in the church, what women could do at home, um, and what women could do in ministry. And so I do want to, like, give a shout-out to my mom and dad. They supported me and encouraged me in a lot of ways that I know a lot of parents didn't. Um, so at home, I felt very supported, but in the church world, I consistently heard the message, um, you shouldn't do these things, you, you can't do these things. And the message I received was, you're second, you're not as good. Like, there's like rungs in God's kingdom, and some people are allowed to do this, and you're allowed to do this. And while it was never explicitly stated, that's the message that came across. Um, and so I just always had that thought in my head. And then to put on top of that, on the personal side of things, I was pretty nerdy growing up. I've had glasses since I was three. <laughs> um, I was always a little bit too shy for some and not shy enough for other people, which is an awkward place to be. Um, and, I, and I always had a friend or two or a really good group of friends, but we were never like the sought after group of friends, you know, the ones the popular ones, and I always wanted to be like, why wasn't I picked for that? Why, um, I mean, I'm just as cool, I'm just as talented, and so that was something I struggled with on a personal side as well, so I just felt like these two conflicting, like, the spiritual side and the, the personal side, I always felt like I was on the B team, and um, it sucked, like, it just doesn't feel good, um, and so as I was thinking, you know, those lies, as I was thinking through what I was talking about, I'm like, those lies consistently come up for me, and I can't be the only one. <laughs> At least I hope I'm not the only one. Um, and I know they take different forms now that I'm older, like, if people only knew that about me, or why wasn't I picked for that, or I'm just as, you know, I'm just as gifted in that, or I'm just as talented, but, oh, it's those people that got picked because they're the favorites, or... Um, and this sounds really whiny, but like that's like the internal dialogue that goes on in my head, you know? Um, and so as I was sitting praying and I was thinking, okay, God, what do you want to say? He's like, that's not my heart for these women. That's not my heart for you. I don't have a B team. My only team is the A team. Um, and I want you at that table. I want you at, on that team. I have a place for you in my kingdom. Um, and that was just like, of course. I mean, it's such a foundational truth, but I think it just struck me in a new way of like, oh, he doesn't even have a B team. Um, 
And I was like, I think that's what I need to talk on tonight. Um, and I was thinking, well, how do I express the fact that you don't have a B team and that that's your heart for women? And I was like, oh, it's through scripture. I've been on this journey of um, knowing the Bible more and more over the years. Um, I went to Multnomah um, Bible College, and then I've, in this role, been blessed to be in the scripture for my job, which doesn't, a lot of people don't get, but I have that amazing blessing in my life. And I will say that God, in a very intentional and creative and, dare I say, ballsy way, um, makes it very clear in scripture that we are not second best, that he doesn't have a B team, that we're all on his A team. And what I mean by that is um, I always think through the, I was like, oh, what, what story, what, what story about a woman could I share? I was thinking through all the stories in the Bible about women. I'm like, man, these just feel like token stories. You know, you've got your Sarah, and then you've got your Rahab, and then you've got your Tamar. And if you're really into it, you get your Holda, which not many know about her, but it's a great story. Um, they feel like parentheses in God's big story. Like they're just kind of shoved in there. And as I was just processing and praying and reading my, my Bible, I was like, I don't think that's true. I think that God put these stories in there as exclamation points. Um, and if you get any type of um, email from me ever or text message, I overuse exclamation points. They are my favorite thing, exclamation point. Um, it drives people in my life crazy because they're like, we, I mean, are you excited or is that just what you mean? I'm like, well, I don't know. It's just I want to show you that I'm You can't read in a text message or an email like I'm trying to tell you like I'm happy. Um, but when used well and when used subtly, um, they're meant to draw attention. Like pay attention. This is important. Take notice. Um, and I think that's what God was doing when he put those stories into scripture. He wants us to look again, um, take notice about what I'm saying. So when we look at the stories of those women in the Old Testament, those women in the New Testament, they're not these token stories that are shoved in between other stories in God's big story. They're used to draw our attention and make significant statements about who we are and about who God is. Um, one of my favorite exclamation point stories is found in Matthew 28, 1 to 10. So Jesus has just passed away. Um, the disciples are distraught and discouraged. Um, and it's what we now know as Sunday morning, and the women head to the tomb. So we can read this together. It'll be up on the screen. Early Sunday morning, as a new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman, don't be afraid, women, don't be afraid, he said. If, I know you were looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said he would happen. Come and see where his body was laying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. 
isn't it great that we can hold those emotions together? And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Um, this is significant. Um, not just because they were the first people to see the resurrected Jesus and to be told to go and tell about the resurrected Jesus, but what it meant in that culture, Jesus was doing something revolutionary. Women's testimonies weren't even viable in court. Um, they were the lowest of the low. If there was like a Z team, they were on it. Um, and Jesus was saying, no, 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 no. I don't have a second best in my kingdom. There's only the A team. And, in, and I want people to know that. I want these women to be the first people to see me. I want these women to be the first people to tell about me. I think that's pretty extraordinary. Um, a biblical scholar puts it this way. Uh, Jesus' intention in directing these women to call for his brothers to meet him in Galilee marks an important salvation historical turning point. Since they are the first witnesses to the resurrection, this suggests that they should be regarded as equal in value to men and restored as co-workers with men in the community of faith, a role they had been assigned from creation. Um, God used the significant moment to not only reveal his resurrection, but to restore creation. Um, Genesis 1.27 says, So God created human beings in his own image, and the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. Um, what God intended from the beginning were, the ex is were what these exclamation points are trying to tell us. His heart for us is that we're not second best, we're not his second choice, no one is. Um, and therefore we shouldn't let anyone else tell us that, and we shouldn't let ourselves tell us that. Sometimes we're our toughest critic, right? I tell myself that more than anybody else tells me that. Um, we all have an important role to play in his kingdom. And this looks different for everyone. My sphere of influence is very different than your sphere of influence. My day-to-day -day life is very different than your day-to-day -day life. Um, but no matter what, we can all lean into this lie in some way. And I think God wants us to know that whether it's personally or as you share his truth with other people, because personal and ministry are all connected, right? That's not two separate things. Um, he wants us to know that in his kingdom, he has room for everyone, old, young, men, women, outgoing, shy, and the list goes on and on and on. Um, my personal struggle is wanting to be wanted. I want to be on that A-team. I want people to think my life has all together. I have it all put together. Um, and yet I know that I don't need to strive for the A-team because there is no B-team, right? I'm accepted by God just because of who I am. It's not something to strive for. It's already part of my identity. So when I was praying for you guys tonight, I was like, what? I obviously want you guys to hear that, but what's it take? Like, what do we need to do with that? What do we do with that? Um, and I was struck by this memory that I was like, oh, no, God, I don't really want to share that. That's pretty raw. That's pretty, um, I'm going to keep that one um, to myself. And he was like, no, 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 no. I think you need to share it. Um, because we all struggle with these feelings. 
and I think we can do a better job of helping each other remember the truth. Um, so I'm going to share it. And if I cry, I cry. <laughs> um, so it's February 2020. Uh, COVID is like a thing that's lingering there, but like no one really thinks it's a thing yet. Um, and I'm going about my life. I'm two and a half months pregnant. I am over the moon. I had been praying for this baby for a very, very long time. Um, I came to work on a Friday morning and I had a miscarriage. And um, my husband took me to the hospital and um, I was feeling all the things. What did I do wrong? Um, could I have done something differently? What's wrong with me? Um, why, why did God do this? Um, but I was being wheeled out of the ultrasound room after he, having heard there isn't a heartbeat anymore. Um, and one of the women wheeling the bed out looked me straight in the eye and she said, and I'll never forget this, I'm so sorry this happened. You didn't do anything wrong. You are a good mom. At that point, I didn't have any kids yet. She said, sometimes we just need to straighten each other's crowns. And um, at the moment, I couldn't really take it in. It was a lot. But as I thought back on that moment, I don't know who that woman was. I will never see her again, I'm sure. And yet those words had a profound impact on my life. Um, as we struggled to get pregnant a second time, as we ended up having a beautiful daughter named Dot, um, those words kept coming back to me. Um, you're a good mom. Sometimes we need to straighten each other's crowns. And I was like, God, this just doesn't feel like quite the right story. And he's like, no, 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 it is. Because in this room, we all have experiences with not feeling like we've been on the A-team, like feeling we're the second choice. And how we can combat that is by straightening each other's crowns, by speaking truth to one another, men, women, young, old, we can straighten each other's crowns. Um, so I wanna spend a little bit of time doing some table talk before I finish. I'm gonna ask some questions. The first one is, um, if you're willing, it can be kind of a vulnerable question, but if you're willing, share with those around you, like has there been a time where you felt you are not the first choice. And then the second question, I'm gonna give you a little bit of time, so feel free to answer both questions. The second question is, what, what do you need in your life? What could straight, straightening your crown look like? How can you do that for others? What could that look like for you? How could that look like for you to do to others? Do those questions make sense? And you can play around with the questions too if, if the Lord leads. <laughs> um, so I'll let you guys talk for a little bit and then I'll come back up. Okay, I'm going to close this off. I want to encourage you, if you guys want to keep talking with each other, that would be awesome. We can just, you can stay late um, and talk at the end. Um, I'm just going to end my time with you um, with a prayer from um, the book Gorillas of Grace by Ted Loader. It's on the table, printed out for you. Um, but this prayer is one of my favorites because I think God wants to hear us when we're in those moments of feeling uh, all of the feelings, no matter what we're feeling. And I feel like this prayer really grasps that in a poetic way. So some of you might not be poetry people, but I would just encourage you as I read over this out loud to just let it soak in and remember that um, 
we don't have to struggle to live up to anything. God doesn't play favorites. He doesn't have a B team. Um, And we can just trust that no matter how we're feeling, he wants to hear from us. And um, this can sometimes give words to that. So how shall I pray? How shall I pray? Our tears prayers, Lord? Our screams prayers or groans or sighs or curses? Can trembling hands be lifted to you or clenched fists or the cold sweat that trickles down my back or the cramps that knot my stomach? Will you accept my prayers, Lord, my real prayers rooted in the muck and mud and rock of my life? and not just my pretty, cut flower, gracefully arranged bouquet of words? Will you accept me, Lord, as I really am, messed up mixture of glory and grime? Lord, help me, help me to trust that you do accept me as I am, that I am done with, that I may be done with self-condemnation and self-pity and accept myself. Help me to accept you as you are, Lord, mysterious, hidden, strange, unknowable, and yet, to trust that your madness is wiser than my timid, self-seeking sanities and that nothing you've ever done has really been possible. So I may dare to be a little mad too.